Welcome to the Sovereignty Sessions, where we explore topics such as personal authority, autonomy, and spirituality. I am your host, Cameron, the Redbird Who Sings. I am a farmer, medicine maker, and advocate for personal power. To follow my work, purchase my herbal preparations, or work one-on-one with me, visit redbirdmedicinals.com. CO friends, welcome back to another episode of the Sovereignty Sessions. Tonight, I want to discuss self-responsibility on the path of sovereignty. So there are people who believe that the earth has always been intended to be a prison planet. So in some of these circles of people, it's said that the earth is a resource planet and that humans were created by an alien race so that we could be slave workers and our purpose is to extract resources from this planet for the use of these aliens off planet or on their home planet. So this is basically the story of the Anunnaki who, um, if any of you have heard of those, there are plenty of books about those. You can look up Inki, the god Inki and the Anunnaki. And then there are other people who believe that we are slaves to technology and that There are malicious forces or elite societal groups using technology um, to addict us and control us. And this makes us slaves to the products or technologies that they create. Now, these scenarios, they may be true to varying degrees or not at all. Um, Whatever you believe, it certainly appears from the outside that there are masses of people who are being controlled by technology and by ideals and mostly I think for the desire to have a lifestyle that certain products or personalities claim to create for us. So tonight I want to share my perspective of these scenarios and how they are used to instill fear, create division, and feed the illusion that we are subject to the will of an authority that is outside of ourselves. So I first have to begin with a basic belief. Um, This belief is that we are spiritual beings incarnated upon this earth to have human experiences. Now, this is a foundational element of my spirituality as taught to me by my tribal elders and also other spiritual teachers ranging in backgrounds from Eastern traditions to European esoteric teachings. So in my worldview, It is also true that as a spiritual being having a human experience, that I am creating the experience that I desire from my subconscious mind in order to learn the lessons that are going to help me to fully stretch my wings and awaken my total potential of my human spirit, mind, and body. And in this way, everything I am experiencing is perfect just as it is, and it's all for the benefit of me. And, and so this is true also for you, and um, but in reality, you don't actually have to even hold that part of this belief to understand what I'm going to be speaking about because most of us can agree that our life here on this earth is made up of various experiences and that our life is just a culmination of these experiences. And so you can either live your life or you can lead your life if you are willing to acknowledge your responsibility. So living your life is just, you know, it it happens to us, taking responsibility, life is happening for us. So 
if we believe that life is completely haphazard or even partially haphazard or left to chance, um, that it's happening to us, it's easy to slip into this mindset that life happens to us and that we are left to the whims of the wind and that we are not capable of directing our own traffic and that we just take our lumps and that's what we get. And there's a, a certain you know, a certain spiritual lesson that could be taken from that of just taking what's given to you. But it, I don't ever often see people, I don't know that I've ever really seen anybody in real life who has lived that way and that it has actually benefited their life. And sure, it builds gusto and all of these things. And if that's what you're looking for, then that's great. And there are spiritual teachers who do this, you know, they live in, in extreme poverty or they have trying circumstances and try to find a place of peace from that. So that's definitely a spiritual path. Um, it's one that I've tried and I've just decided that it is not one that I want to experience because it's another experience that I can have, right? I want to try on all the experiences I can. So for many of you, when I say these things, you might say, well, but I lead my own life. I do what I want. I buy what I want. I'm a free person. But this isn't actually true if you've not deconstructed your programming. And I would actually argue that the majority of people that I've ever met in my life are living well below their full potential because they're waiting for the right opportunity. They want to win the lottery or to get the perfect job or just for the weight to miraculously fall off instead of using their own desire, thought, and will to create exactly what it is that they want. And this is what the... I love about the rising entrepreneurial movement. Um, it's people who are daring to examine their program, dismantle it, and create a whole new program that better serves them. And they end up manifesting one dream after the other in a beautiful cadence. I believe that this entrepreneurial spirit is a piece of the whole sovereignty puzzle and that it's divinely inspired and orchestrated to raise the vibration of the whole human body. I mean, this is a, a big part of escaping this prison mindset or the poverty mindset is to become an entrepreneur. And when you start to go down this path of, of being an entrepreneur, you realize that most likely that you have a money block and you have to work through that. So that's poverty mindset, right? And so you break through that. And then with that, there's these sexual blocks and you break through that. And there's all of these really huge blocks that we're carrying around that most people probably actually have as well. But until you step into this entrepreneurial path, you don't, you might not actually be able to see those because your goal is not, hey, I'm going to make six figures this year, whatever. I mean, everybody wants to make more money. I get that. But when you take that on for yourself to make that happen, um, to be a business owner and to make the money yourself instead of getting a paycheck, it's a whole different ballgame. And I've been self-employed for like 15 years failing the entire time. And four years ago when we started farming, that's the first time that we've actually um, that I've actually had a successful business. And by successful, I mean that there's um, financial abundance. And so I've been able to break through some of my blocks. And then now I have, you know, I had my herb business, and which I still have. And now I'm moving into this different aspect of my business that I'm trying to build up, which is the coaching aspect. And so it's just really cool to see how this is all just part of my desire to be sovereign and it's also fun to have all these different experiences of starting all these businesses and and seeing how big you can get 
you know, some people want that and some people don't. <laughs> so believing that we are spiritual beings having human experiences, we can come to this idea of the earth being a prison planet from a perspective of life happening for us and not to us. And this is a huge piece, right? That life is happening for us and not to us. It's divinely orchestrated for us. So I really want you to grasp that concept and, and feel what that feels like in your body. That life is happening for you and not to you. It's a completely different vibration if you sit with that. Um, one is victim. You know, that life is happening to us. That's a, That puts us in a victim state. So when we come from this perspective of life happening for us and not to us, we can assess how we are creating the situation around us and not feel bad about it and, you know, pity party it. Just see it for what it is. And then you can see if you're reacting to someone else's creation, the world that they've created or the life that they've created. And you can decide if you really want to have that experience or not. You can see how you've been programmed to accept the experience. And we can choose to step out of the experience and create something else. Another experience that we would like to try out instead. So this whole, this is, as I'm recording this, it is September of 2020. 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. Uh, and so um, it's been interesting, that's for sure. But in the beginning, you know, I was spinning out just like most people are, uh, you know, what the heck is happening? And I went down every rabbit hole and a lot of people start to go down the rabbit holes and see what magnitude of awful things exist in the world. And they start to get really freaked out and they just have to shut it down. But I, this is kind of a tangent, but I would encourage you to keep going down the rabbit hole because there's freedom on the other side. When you get to the, get down all these rabbit holes and you get to the end of it, you come out with a sense of peace, or at least I did. I came out with a sense of peace and it was like, okay, I am not part of that. I'm not part of any of that craziness. And it only affects my life as much as I say it affects my life. So my my entire existence on this earth, I've been trying to get out of this system that I thought existed, you know, the government and being part of a country that thought was trying to control me. That's an illusion too, right? And and the people in charge prey on that. They want that illusion to be there because if you believe that you have no power in this situation, then you, you know, you won't vote or you won't, you know, whatever. I don't even, I don't even want to encourage you to vote. I don't even know if that actually makes a difference, but that's kind of an example. Like if you don't believe that you can actually make a change, you won't actually do anything. And so for me, making these changes is about creating experiences that I actually want to have. So when I started going down these rabbit holes and I was like, oh my gosh, this world is awful. I don't even want to live here. I would like to take the first exit, please. Where's the first exit? And once I got past all of that, I realized I was focusing on the wrong thing. I'm focusing on all this stuff that I don't want, right? All these things that I didn't want to exist. I don't want there to be pedophiles all over the world. I don't want there to be a government that controls me. I don't want to be nano-chipped, like any of this stuff, right? But I don't have to. The only way that it has any power is if I participate with it. So the alternate option is to create what you want and to create another experience that you want to have. And when I look at my life, when I'm not 
looking at, at the world outside and I'm looking at the life that I've created. I have this beautiful idyllic life, you know, living on a farm and I've got my animals and my family and we're together all the time. And there's always really interesting and fun projects happening. Like we just built a pond and we planted a bunch more trees and my neighbors drive by on horse and buggy and it's so quaint and I love it. I don't have to go to the grocery store because my neighbors have all the stuff that I don't raise. And so, you know, this is the world that I want to create and I want more of it. And I don't want to create this world for you. If you want to live in a city and you want to have all that, then that's great. I don't want that. So this is um, a way that we can frame, I, that I can frame this for you of like, what is it that you want to create? And instead of being a prisoner, well, just don't be a prisoner, you know, I'm I opt out. You, you know, consent happens through thoughts, through actions. We We consent to the world being the way it is by the way we live in the world. Back in the day, Walmart was like the biggest problem that we had, right? Everybody hated Walmart. Now it's like so much bigger. But, you know, if you don't want Walmart to exist, then don't shop at Walmart. If you don't want Wayfair to be trafficking children on their website, don't shop at Wayfair. You know, like these are ways that we can actually step out of that. And not that like not shopping in these places is going to stop trafficking, but at least you won't be supporting that, you know, and you can create your own, your own, reality, your own life that is beautiful and that is just going to trickle out to everyone else. So the biggest shift that you can make, that any of us can make in changing our life is to accept 100% responsibility for everything. Everything that's ever happened to you, everything that you see, everything that's in your bubble, your sphere of life, accept 100% responsibility for it. Now, some people have issues with this because they they say things like, well, what about the kids and when people do horrible things to kids and what about when people do horrible things to us? I was just a victim walking down the street and somebody robbed me. I get that this is hard. This is like advanced spirituality right here. Like this just this concept of accepting 100% responsibility. And I don't say this lightly. I was a child who was perpetrated upon. I have been a victim many times in my life. So I don't say this lightly that you can take 100% responsibility. But you can only take 100% responsibility for everything if you have this belief that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And when you came here, you incarnated upon this earth, you had a map set out that you can't see in front of you, but it's there in your soul. Your soul map is lined out of what you want to experience, right? That's one way to look at it. The other way is in this, in this realm, just as a human being, you are having these experiences because you've been programmed to accept these experiences. You've been programmed that you can be a victim. You've been programmed that people do things to you, that life happens to you. And programs can be changed. You can rewrite that software. So these are two different ways of looking at it. I choose to believe that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And so when I accept a 100% responsibility, that means that I have created all of these experiences that I've had in my life in order to lead me further down the path of awakening to what I actually am, which is my spirit, my soul. And so... 
You can continue to be a victim for your entire life. You can continue to be the hunted and you will continue to find yourself in experiences that support this belief. Or you can become the hunter, the lioness, the one who takes charge of your life and directs your own traffic. You can decide what experiences you want to have based on the beliefs you choose to embody. Now this is true power and this is sovereignty. And this choice is available to everybody, no matter what class you were born into, what race you were born into, whether you see the choice or not, the choice is there. And so if you don't see the choice, you're just not, you're just not at that place and at that level yet. And that is fine. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. You will evolve out of the position that you're in, in, in all the right timing. Now, one of the most important ways that we can take control of our life and stop being a prisoner is to take ownership of our health. This, in fact, was actually the first step that I took towards sovereignty, and I feel like it's a great place to start. I recommend it to all of my clients um, that they start at taking ownership of their health, and this is why I love herbal medicine, because it helps you to do that. So from a young age, I was... I was, I was born at this cusp where the pharmaceutical industry was really starting to market and push the products. And so pharmaceutical drugs were pushed on me and my brother as well, who's five years younger. And so it was like, if I had a pimple, here's this to take. And if I was in a bad mood, here, take this. But no one ever actually considered that these things might just be you know, part of my life. It might be my hormones or, you know, it just might be that maybe I was depressed because I had a reason to be depressed. You know, I was grieving. Maybe that was okay and I didn't need a, dr a drug to, you know, shut me up. So I, I never felt comfortable taking drugs. I spent a lot of time in nature as a kid and I also spent a lot of time alone. I was a, you know, quote, latchkey kid. I don't even know if people use that word anymore. So I had a lot of reflection just built into my daily life and I just knew that there was nothing wrong with me, that the problem was outside of me. And so the, this belief actually saved me in that situation. And, you know, that, that was a, I'll, a caveat here. I'll say that was a belief that I had to have to survive as a child. But as an adult now, I can say that the problem was never outside of me, right? Like that got me to where I am now. So had I not held this belief, I might have listened to false authorities that tried so hard to convince me of my flaws. But I could never get down with this whole pharmaceutical thing. You know, it was, they were pushed on both my brother and I, and, and I just couldn't get down with it. And I've seen what it, what it has done to other people around me. And I'm like, mm, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't see any, any upside to any of this. Like I'm not, I'm not seeing any benefit. So I, I could never get down with the pharmaceuticals, but I still ate really horrible food, you know, standard American diet. I watched terrible TV, but this started to change when I was a teenager and I realized that for my entire life, I'd gone to the same childhood doctor. He, you know, I grew up in a small town and there was like one doctor and he was grossly overweight. I mean, he was huge. And I just thought, and his, his whole family was huge. I mean, his sons, they were huge. And I thought, how can I take health advice from an obese person? He's obviously doesn't eat well. And, uh, you know, he wasn't like thick. He was flabby obese and he obviously didn't exercise you know so I asked to switch to another doctor in the office who was a new young doctor and he actually eventually died of a heart attack <laughs> so this was long after I realized I couldn't take advice from him either but 
it, I, it's just worth pointing out that um, why would I ever take advice from people who are not as healthy as I was at the time and still to this day. So my next step and the most obvious was I had to go down the path of the food. So I started to clean up my diet when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I started eating rather begrudgingly more vegetables and less packaged and processed food. But I just was not feeling well. I had gained a lot of weight and I wasn't feeling good. And so I, you know, I came at it from this place of, um, I'm going to diet and lose weight, but also I wanted to be healthy. So it was kind of a, a twofold thing there. And the path of removing crap food and learning new eating habits was long and winding. It took me about 15 years to get comfortable with the food thing. I tried on being a vegetarian for 13 years. I tried to be a vegan, but I could never give up cheese. <laughs> I tried raw foodism. I was gluten-free. I ate a pound of bacon a day. I ate liquid foods only. So I went through it all over and over until I finally came to a place of power with food. Now my only food rule is I eat real food as often as I feel the need. So if there are some times when I eat nonstop throughout the day and there are other times when I eat once or twice a day, you know, I just eat real food. I don't, I don't buy a lot of packaged food. Our, our junk food in our house is organic tortilla chips. So <laughs> that, and that happens like once a month. So that's my only rule with food. But along this path, I got interested in herbs and how to make herbal medicines, and I started studying and apprenticed with herbalists, and this is where the real boost to my health came. By adding wild herbs and foods into my diet, it's, it was like supercharging my health. And it also connected me back to the earth. I was living in the city at this time, but through eating wild foods, it got me out foraging, and, and it started to make me remember the old ways of how I grew up, and um, rural life and my um, indigenous ancestors and also the ancestors on my mother's side who were farming people as well. And so I started to get really connected back to the land. And so I always recommend to my clients that they start by drinking nourishing herbal infusions every day. And my teacher, Susan Weed, has tons of videos that you can go find those on the internet. By drinking these herbs every day, you actually become the plant. Like you become one with the plant because you're imbibing this every day. And I can't remember what the time, I think it takes like 40 days. Yeah, 40 days or six weeks or something for the liver to completely rejuvenate itself for every cell to be replaced. And so you think about that, the liver is a, the filter of our body. And so if you drink the infusions every day, every cell in your body is changing over all the time. So you're actually becoming the plant, which, you know, these wild plants are so amazing and help us to really step fully into our physical and spiritual emotional power. So within three years of this practice of infusions, doing them every day, my entire bodily constitution changed. I was a completely different person. I, I was so frail when I was in high school in my early 20s, you know, and then I gained some weight and then I just had up and down weight. But I was, my kind of base level was, I was really, really tiny and really, like they used to call me fragile when I was in high school. I was just so thin. And so now I'm much more sturdy. I'm more capable of handling stress and trauma. That is the huge thing right there. And overall, I'm just much more resilient of mind, body, spirit. And I see this over and over and over with my clients and also just, you know, friends and people who are in my social circle that I suggest this to. I, I watch them change. So when we're able to take our own health into our own hands, we get this wonderful experience of living in a human body. So you start to notice how your body works and how what you consume affects 
how we function. And this starts to bleed out into other areas of life and we begin to notice the currency with which we are interacting. And we can better make choices that support the life and the world we want to live in because we're fully nourished. When you are nourished, you can make better decisions because you're more stable, you're more confident, and you're more fluid and flexible and adaptable. And so you're able to make better decisions for your life. There's none of this up and down, you know, manic emotions. We become just much more stable in all areas. And with the herbal infusions, this is a great way to incorporate herbs into your life. But also because it is on a daily basis, it is connecting us with the plant world, with the natural world. It helps us to be grounded, and which is the, the stability that we need, you know. So especially if you live in the city, I highly recommend this. I will add that this will only work if you are wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly navigating this path. So not just trying things on because someone else told you, because I told you what to do, um, or coming at it from a place of diet mindset or with a goal, like a goal of losing weight or a goal of, you know, I'm going to miraculously be healed in six weeks, you know, whatever. It doesn't work on your timeline. So you have to really commit and you have to just start small and just, just take your health one step at a time, little tweaks here and there. And don't just do it because somebody else tells you to do. Don't do the keto diet because it's fashionable. Don't do, you know, whatever other diets, the South Beach diet or whatever. I don't even know what these diets are anymore, but don't do a diet. It's a lifestyle change. So if you're trying to lose weight, don't set the goal of losing weight. Set the goal of changing your life. So the weight will come off when your lifestyle lines up to the vibration of health. And that is the only way to gain health, to change your life to fit the vibration of health. So one way to do this that's really great that I love to do is through music. So every morning I go outside, I do my morning practices, and then I get a cup of tea or cacao and I sit on my deck and I play music like really good music you know just whatever vibe I'm looking for but it's always got to be loving I like it to either calm me or to raise my energy depending on what state of my menstrual cycle I'm in but it always has to make me feel good <laughs> so I highly recommend that music as a way to raise your vibration and the thing is is that in our three-dimensional bodies, we vibrate at this certain frequency, and that frequency is what creates matter, that creates the physical form. But as we climb higher and higher up the ladder of our chakras, of our energetic being, of our spiritual self, as we climb higher and higher up this ladder, we start to vibrate faster and faster, and the faster you vibrate, the lighter you become. So this is why things like running, why you might lose weight if you're running or if you're doing high intensity interval training, you lose weight because these things are fast moving things, right? They make your body vibrate at a faster rate. And so it's not that burning calories, yeah, they're what whatever they might be doing that, but it's really that they're making your body vibrate at a faster rate. So if you just work out for 20, 30 minutes in the morning and you do this high intensity stuff and then you sit on your ass the rest of the day, there goes your high vibration. So you gotta try to keep 
this vibration up. Music is what is great. If you have to sit at a desk job, play that high vibe music to keep you elevated and then take breaks to do, you know, kundalini yoga or to take, you know, just to go jogging or walk fast around a track or parking lot, whatever. Just keep the vibration up because the higher the vibration, the lighter you become as you start to dissolve from matter into the etheric form. Another way that we can step out of the paradigm of this whole prison planet thing is to take control of our technologies and how we use them. Have you ever heard somebody complain about how our cell phones are taking over our life or killing us and then they still continue to use a cell phone? Yeah, I have. I have definitely heard those people and I'm pretty sure that I have done some of the complaining too. So if there's one thing I have learned being a farmer and selling at farmer's markets and dealing with people, you know, every day, it's that Americans are absolutely addicted to complaining. So people just want to complain. They want to complain because they're unhappy. And so no one, and they also want to complain because no one actually wants to change things because if change things means that you have to actually do something like I was talking about with losing weight, you know, you can't just, oh, I'm going to half ass it and spend 10, 20, 30 minutes working out a couple times a week and then sit on my ass the rest of the time and do nothing. Like it doesn't work that way. If you want things to change, you have to do something. So Don Dapani, he's a Hindu priest. Um, he has a great talk about this. And he says in it something like, if your phone is taking up too much of your attention or time, the problem is not the technology. The problem is actually you. You haven't learned to focus. And he goes on to say that we teach our kids to do so much, but we forget the important stuff like how to go to sleep or how to focus. And these are actually skills that we cannot master unless we've been taught properly. Now, if you are a self-motivated kid, like I was, you can teach yourself, but let's be real here. Most people just do not take the initiative to self-educate. For the person who does choose to take 100% responsibility for their life, education is a lifelong endeavor. It's not necessarily in the formal sense, like going to university for the rest of your life, but these people are those who are always learning. They're always um, finding new resources because they have to. When you take 100% of your responsibility for your life, you realize that it's all on you. And if you don't know how to do something, get something, or be something, you better figure it out. You know, this whole saying, if you got to lean on your own spine, you can't lean on the spine of other of another person. you got to lean on your own spine. So back to the technology and the focus, learning how to focus is something you can do all throughout your day. And if you can focus, uh, meditation is great. I love for people to start out meditating because if you can clear the space and focus then from that starting place you can move out with more integrity in your life. The easiest way to start to focus is just to focus on the task at hand, the thing that you're doing right now. So if you're folding laundry, just fold laundry. If you're with your children, just be with them. Now this is a heavy ask I know for mothers but you know, I'm a mother too, but it's not impossible unless you say it is. So that's really important. It is not impossible unless you say it is. And if you just go around poo-pooing everything, all the ideas, then you're going to stay exactly where you're at. So instead of saying, I can't do it, say, how can I do it? How can I make this happen? Now you could also take up yoga, tai chi, qigong. These are all great. There has to be a bridge though that 
takes it into every day of your life. So you can't just, it's the same thing with working out. You can't just spend 20 minutes meditating in the morning and then the rest of your day you're just all over the place. Of course, that's how you're going to start out with with meditation. That's how you're going to start with anything. You just start to introduce it into your life, but you have to find a way to make it take up more and more space in your life. And you know, you have to start doing that by creating a bridge into your everyday life. So, let's say with meditation or tai chi or something, just like when we were talking about working out, if you set it at a desk job, Stop on your lunch break and do 10-20 minutes of Tai Chi or take little breaks throughout the day just like meditation breaks 5-10 minutes at a time. 5 minutes 5 times a day, you know, that's 25 minutes a day before you know it. So um, you have to build that bridge into your everyday life or that lesson just stays on the mat. It doesn't go anywhere else. It stays where you, you know, it stays there in your morning time. It doesn't carry out through the rest of your day. Now, I personally do not watch movies very often, maybe a couple times a year. Um, I found that when I really paid attention, when I started to learn to focus and not just sit in front of the screen, I found that when I really paid attention to what the message was in movies, that most of them are not messages I want to be programmed with. Especially, you know, even movies that are good-hearted, they're not really messages that I want to be programmed with. So I can't just sit and veg out and look at a screen. I can't do that anymore. I totally used to be able to do it. I cannot do it anymore. Um, I also don't have a cell phone. I have had one in the past, but I got rid of it in lieu of a landline because I just don't like cell phone culture. I don't like people thinking I should be accessible at all times. I don't want to carry a phone around everywhere I go. I don't want to be checking my Instagram or something all the time, you know, and it's especially disturbing for those of us who grew up without cell phones to be in a public place or out to dinner with friends and there's a cell phone on the table at a minimum or usually what actually happens is that everybody's face is shoved into their cell phone and no one is looking at each other. It's really bizarre. And so this is like a perfect example of the opposite of focus and presence. Now, I know some parents like to give their kids movies or tablets in the car ride, and I totally get it. It sucks to be in a car, especially for a long period of time with a screaming kid. You know, I moved from across the country with a two-week-old and myself in a car by ourselves. So not only was I postpartum two weeks, I had a two-week-old baby that hated being in a car seat, and she screamed the entire time. It was awful. It was totally traumatizing. And if I, you know, I might have given her a screen if I had that mindset. But so, I mean, I get it. I get that it sucks to be in a car with a kid who's whining or screaming. But for me, they're just a no. And this is one for me that I, I just I just can't do it. So I want my kid to be bored. I want her to see that when we drive somewhere, there are places to notice along the way and that the journey is part of getting to the destination. I don't know, some of you might remember that old quote. I don't know if people even say this anymore. The, that saying, it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? We don't, I don't feel like people are teaching their kids that anymore, that it's about the journey, you know? Everybody's like, well, God, just shut up and watch the, watch the screen. So... Anyway, as a result of my decision not to do the screens in the car, or ever actually, she never has a screen, uh, I have a three-year-old who knows how to get herself home from town. She can tell you exactly where we're at. She can tell you when we're getting close to her grandma's house that's 16 hours away because she remembers a particular tree. Now, <laughs> this child is not a prisoner, but she's actually an active participant in life. 
She's focusing on what's around her. She's noticing things. She is fully integrated into the natural world, into life around her, and she loves it. <laughs> I also choose not to have Wi-Fi in my house. I have Ethernet because I don't want to be absorbing all kinds of those weird Wi-Fi waves 24 hours a day, and I don't like the practice of just having Internet wherever I am. Like, I don't want to sit on the couch and be on my computer, you know? I like to go to my desk and work and leave it there. And this method actually helps me to focus. It helps me focus on the task because I have specific office hours and I go to my desk, I focus on the task at hand, and then it makes it easier for me to leave that and to pay attention to my family when I'm not working. You know, I, I leave my office hours and I go downstairs, even though it's all, you know, our businesses are all contained on this one farm. Um, I leave and I can go spend time with my family. And I couldn't have come to these decisions that actually immensely increase the quality of my life without first having learned another important skill, which is critical thinking. <laughs> critical thinking is critical, especially right now in the world as it is. There's so much chaos and supposed authorities are shoveling answers into you at every turn, telling you what to think, who to be. And it's so prolific now that people don't even aren't even aware that they're actually not who they really are or not who they're being in the world or somebody completely different. You know, my teacher always says, you are not who you think you are. You are somebody completely different altogether. So, you know, in order to find the truth, you have to be able to think outside of your own beliefs. And that's to find the truth of yourself, to find the truth of the world around you. You have to be able to think outside of your own beliefs. And... You have to know what you want to see and you have to be able to remain outside of other people's beliefs so that you can make decisions from a neutral mindset. So you have to know what you're wanting to see is what you're wanting to see reality or you just want to see something because you have a belief that this is how it should be, you know. So one of the issues that I've had in my life is just having this view that all men were bad and I really wanted to see that and so I would create situations to where my partner would be a jerk or to where he wasn't supporting me because I wanted to continue to see that it fed the belief that I need I needed to hold in order to think that all men were just horrible when you can remain outside of all of it or outside of other people's beliefs and and outside of your own beliefs you can actually make decisions from a neutral mind and you can just determine the best plan of action as opposed to reacting to a situation. So you have to be able to look at opposing sides. <laughs> you have to look at what seems to be benign information sometimes. You have to look at other worldviews that don't match yours. You have to gather information not just from, you know, you can't be heavy-sided on one side. You have to gather adequate information from all sides. I talk to some people who are like, oh yeah, I gather information from the other side. I watch this other news channel and they're just so stupid, da 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 And it's like, okay, well, but you're not actually listening because you're just too busy judging them, right? So you're judging what you're saying instead of actually hearing what they're saying. So you have to actually be able to gather information from a neutral mind and you have to sit with it long enough to make your own decisions instead of having your perception managed by someone else. You have to manage your own perception. Now this might actually be one of the most difficult tasks we have at this time because Critical thinking has been indoctrinated out of our children, out of us as children. You know, 
Um, I barely learned critical thinking when I was in school. And I don't think that kids learn it at all anymore, <clears throat> for the most part, at least in public school systems. Now this, like everything else, developing critical thinking, it comes with practice. It takes years and years of practice. But we have to start somewhere. And to my mind, the most obvious place to start is with the information that is coming to you, such as media or things other people are telling you. And so before we, how we're going to do this is before we allow the information to come into our brain space, it first needs to pass through the guardian gate of our mind. This is our critical thinking army. So first we have to be at neutral mind. We're observing, but we're not involved with, we're just observing what's happening, observing the information flowing towards us. And then we have to ask, what is my own North Star? This should actually happen before the situation. Like you should know what your North Star is. But first we ask, what is your own North Star? Where is it? Your North Star is where is it that you are going? What kind of life do you want to live? What are your own beliefs and values? What is your North Star, the place that you're always heading to be? In general, this would be, for those of us on the spiritual path, this would be our higher self. We're always aiming to get to our higher self. We're always wanting to tap into our higher, our higher mind, right? So after we know what our own North Star is, we ask what is that person's or that corporation or that you know news outlet, what is their North Star? What is the end point of their message? So if you follow what they're saying, if you... Try to figure out, I mean, they're probably not going to just tell you what their North Star is. They might have a little quote or whatever that sums up their message, but if not, it might be kind of hard to figure out what their message is, so you really have to listen. What is the end point of their message? Are they trying to instill fear in you? Are they trying to provoke you to get a reaction out of you? Are they trying to diminish you in some way, make you feel bad? So one big way that this is happening right now is how the media is playing this whole game of the Black Lives Matter movement and how they're showing, uh, quote, white people. I don't use that. I don't like to use that word in my life because I think it doesn't make any sense. But um, how they're juxtaposing these two uh, classes or races, you know, of people, how th that is... A, situation that is being presented one to instill fear in one both groups actually they all black people think that they're going to get killed all white people think that they're going to get killed you know so there's the fear then it, it it serves to provoke you so if you look at all the riots that are happening and who's funding these riots the person who funds the BLM, the largest funder, is Zoros. You know, it's a white man. He won't say he's white, he's Jewish, but whatever. Like, it's a rich, light-skinned man. And what is his intention? What's his North Star, right? So it's intended to provoke, which is what it's doing. It's provoking riots. It's provoking black people to go into neighborhoods of white people and white people to be afraid and for them to both have guns and shooting at each other. And it's also intended to diminish it's intended to diminish at this point the white race, you know, like white people have to hate themselves and feel bad or they have to bow down at the feet of a black person and kiss their feet or, you know, whatever. So it's meant to diminish. So the the end point of that message, what's their North Star, I think we can pretty much figure it out from just summing all of that up, 
Is it to mislead somebody? Is it to discredit someone else's view? Once we know the answers to these questions, we can begin to, to determine if your North Star lines up with their North Star, the other person, the business, the, the media outlet, whatever it is, um, the other, if the North Star lines up with your North Star, if you are going to the same place, if you want the same things. And we don't all have to want the same things for the world, but when you start to get a clue of like, what does somebody actually want? Oh, that person actually wants a world war. Okay, well, I don't want that, so I'm not lining up with that. So if you're not going to the same place, then you can just let go of that information, or you can take the parts that resonate with you and leave the rest. You can do this right now, actually, as you're listening to me. Does what I say resonate with you? Or does it offend you? Or do you just not care? Are you just like neutral about it? So once you've made this determination of how you feel about it, then take a step further and ask yourself why. Why do you feel that? As a medicine maker, I know that oftentimes the medicine that people need is not necessarily the medicine that resonates with them, but that the, the medicine that actually provokes or irritates a strong reaction. So this is a telltale sign that there's something there to explore. So why does something, in the case, let's go back to the case of the, the media and how they're juxtaposing the, you know, the Black Lives Matter with white people and this whole racial clash that they're creating. What is there there to explore? Why are they trying to provoke? And do we need to be provoked? Maybe it, you need that provocation. Maybe not. Maybe it's intended for ill will. We don't know. It all has to play out, right? But you can ask these questions. You can explore this. And exploring something doesn't mean that you have to take it on into your body, into your beliefs. It's an exploration. And if you can't explore things, you can't ever really determine what your true beliefs are. Now, in all of this, we have to also dismantle our own belief systems along the way to determine if they are programming or if they are, and if they are programming, are they programs that we like or are they programs, you know, most likely they're programs someone else put in place. And do we want to reprogram ourselves with new beliefs? You know, do we, we can do that. We can do system override. We're in control of this, right? Like if we're a machine or a computer, we're in control of this computer. So we get to do system override. So these are all things, you know, we, we really have to dismantle our own belief systems in order to come at life with any kind of authenticity. Now, once we're able to develop critical thinking, then we can start to exercise our intuition. Now, what most people that I come across think of as intuition is actually just more programming. And more importantly, it's somebody else's program. Like most programming is somebody else's program. From television program, if you watch a lot of TV, there is some programming and you better believe that they put some subtle stuff in there. Now, as children, we're born with this natural intuition and it is truly remarkable the, the intuition of children, I mean, seeing it in my own child, it's just been really amazing. But somewhere along the way, this is lost by the vast majority of people. And it's not entirely by accident, you know. I mean, parents definitely create this situation just based on their own programming. But it's also really intentional by powers outside of us, which is why sovereignty is so important. Why looking at your beliefs is so important. Why... Uh, mediating the information that's coming in, you know, keeping that guardian at the gate of the information that's coming in and going as well. But I meet a lot of women who say, I just can't trust my intuition. 
for whatever reason. And it's kind of interesting because I've never actually heard a man say that they couldn't trust their intuition. I don't know if it's because they don't really think of it as intuition and that's like a woman's word or if it's because I work with women and I've always worked with women for the most part. I mean, I still speak on spiritual topics with plenty of men. So to my mind, this just goes back to programming. And many women experience being programmed into self-doubt. Like that's really common with um, a lot of the women that I've worked with over the years. So uh, we have to develop the intuition. And in order to do that, we must first sit with ourselves. And we have to pay attention to our feelings that we feel in our body. And we can start to exercise this intuition like a muscle by playing simple little games, such as little guessing games like guess when something's going to happen, like when a friend or a partner is going to arrive at your doorstep or, you know, something like that. And just trivial things that don't matter. And over, like, guess what shirt somebody's going to be wearing when they come. And over time, you can start to test it out on bigger things in life, like knowing when to trust a person or when to make a business deal or when to harvest a plant to get the most out of the most potent medicine out of it. So developing the intuition is a lifelong process. It will, it never ends, you know, it can only get stronger and stronger. And like a muscle, you know, we have to keep flexing it and, and keep working it out. And it, then it, eventually it becomes, you know, ready to act in a moment's notice. And you don't even think about it. You're just always going with your intuition, especially for us women. Like we're really intuitive beings. And it's really, really, really important for us to be tapped into that. Um, because that's that's the divine feminine. That's the way that we move. You know, we're like serpentine. We're like water. You know, we got to move through things. So back to the responsibility. It is so important that you take 100% responsibility for your life, for all the experiences that you are currently having, and to take it even further to all the experiences you've ever had. It is that's it's really actually is empowering. For some people, it might seem defeating, or it might seem like, well, then that makes me the bad guy, or whatever. But Actually, it can be really, really empowering because once you take 100% responsibility, you realize that that actually gives you the power to change your life. So if you know that you're the cause and the effect, you start to change the way you operate. <clears throat> and this is when you really start to step into sovereignty, this real true power. When you commit to taking responsibility in this way, you are acknowledging on a soul level that no one is coming to save you and that whatever happens in your life will be of your own making. And that is extremely empowering. And it, unless you're in the victim mindset and then it's like, well, poor pitiful me, but you know, you got to get out of that. So whether you take responsibility or not, you are responsible for your life is of your own making. You don't have to acknowledge it. It still is true. But when you step fully into this power and you're able to stop living out old programs and start living the program that you yourself have created, then you step out of the prison matrix that is falsely controlling you. You step out of it completely. And you step into the sovereignty, into the freedom. Now, the best thing about this is that as you begin to take responsibility for your life and your experiences, 
It inspires others around you and they start to do the same thing in their own way. So you don't have to do anything outside of yourself. You don't have to change the world. You don't have to do anything outside of being true to yourself. That's it. And I mean, it's the hard path. I'm not going to act like it's easy. It is the hardest thing in the world to actually be true to yourself, but it is the most rewarding path. So there's, you know, no more cajoling others to live how you want them to live. You don't get frustrated at nights bitching about how fucked up the world is. You know, your world is perfect and everyone else gets to live however they want and their world is perfect for them. And if they want something different, then they can choose that and you will be that light. So for those of us creating these beautiful worlds, you know, we can just get together and have a party. We can go celebrate together and join all of our beautiful worlds together and it's great and it's just a it's this beautiful thing you start to attract other people who are creating this beauty and it's just wonderful so I don't I want to say I don't actually believe that we live on a prison planet I just am, feel so loved being here on this earth that I know this isn't a prison and if this is prison this is like the best prison ever to me you know I know that this world is of our own creation and I know that I get to choose my own adventure just like you do I don't find any real benefit to pretending that I'm a prisoner or complaining incessantly about how horrible the world is. I definitely have been there. I am moving out of that and, you know, on my worst days I get sucked back into that. You know, I could admit that. It's, you know, it's a lifelong process and that's my programming. But it gives me a different lens. In a sense, I get to see the world for what it is and then I get to choose the opposite. So they talk about this in, in many spiritual books, the Bible included, that whole idea of Adam and Eve and the eating the apple and all this stuff. It's not actually free will if you don't have an opposite choice or another choice, right? And so through this free will and choice, I get to decide, you get to decide that we don't want to participate in the awful. We don't want to participate in all of the disgustingness of this world. We don't want to participate in that stuff. And it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It means that it's going to lessen if each of us choose. And, you know, I want to say that for as, as bright of a light as we can be, there's always going to be the darkness that matches the light. So it's always going to get darker and darker and darker the lighter and lighter people go until we move out of this polarity thing. And so... <clears throat> I know that I don't want to participate in, in the awful things of the world. You know, I'm, I, as my stepmother says, I use my powers for good and not evil. <laughs> and so I craft my life from this place. So I'm going to use my powers for good and not evil. I'm going to create beauty in this world, and that's my path. And so to be really honest, this means that certain aspects of, quote, normal life in the United States, I just can't participate with. And at this point, I'm totally okay with that. It might seem seem deprived to some people, but to, not to me. And I don't think anybody who ever came and experienced my life would think it was deprived. But, you know, some examples are I don't fly anymore. I don't fly on airplanes because it's an awful experience. I don't want to be on that plane. This was before the whole, you know, viral outbreak or whatever, you know, everybody wearing masks. But, like, people are eating food on the plane and farting and babies are vomiting. You know, I've been that mom, <laughs> the vomiting baby. Like, I don't want to be on there with all those smells and that nasty air. It's just a terrible experience. You know, I don't use a cell phone which we, means when I'm out driving around, I got to know where I'm going or I got to use my intuition. This is a great place for me where I practice my intuition. I have no idea where I'm at. And I say, this is where I need to get. 
And sure enough, my intuition will take me right there. And I go a long way around because it's about the journey and not the destination. But I get there, you know, maybe three hours late, but I get there. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't eat fast food. I rarely shop at the grocery store. I rely on my neighbors and myself for, you know, most of all of my stuff or and sometimes I order stuff online but I go to the grocery store for things like you know cocoa powder and and olive oil and and treats like that you know like our our uh, tortilla chips and stuff like that but you know I don't feel deprived in any way because this was just a natural progression I didn't this isn't where I necessarily where I saw my life 20 years ago but I just saw myself getting closer and closer and closer to the earth and more and more fully in my own self and this is where it's led me, and I'm so happy about it. I always wanted to be close to the earth. But, you know, if I would have tried to do it all at once, I can imagine I would have felt deprived or missed some things, you know. But change happens when we are really, really, really sick and tired of the old way. You know, for a lot of us, this is how we work. we got to be really sick and tired of the old way before we're ready to start living in a new way. I mean, you got to really, I know this is true for me. It has been a, for a lot of my life. The, the biggest changes that I ever made came at a point when I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I finally just was like, you know what? I got to get out of this house and I'm going to move across country or go travel or live in my car or backpack or whatever. And so th this is true, I find, for, for many people. They got to just be really tired of it and to, to move on to something else. Now, there are, of course, those extremists that go from zero to 106 seconds flat. But most of us, that does not work for us. And that's not really how lasting change happens for a lot of us. So we got to slowly incorporate these changes in our lives. So just to wrap up here, I want to encourage you. If you are feeling like a prisoner or like you don't have control of your life or that you don't have choices, this is a big one. A lot of people feel like, you know, I was built, born into this class, this body, this system, and I don't have a choice. And I'm going to tell you, it ain't true. You always have a choice. The problem is not that you don't have choices. The problem is that you don't see the choices. So you got to start making some changes in order to see the choices. you gotta, you got to look. I remember this coffee cup I used to have that said, There are always flowers for those who wish to see them. So true. If you want to see it, it'll show up. Just ask and, and it will be revealed. So first got to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want from your life? Do you want to sit and stew? Do you want to sit in the shit for the rest of your life? What do you want? You want to live a beautiful life? Do you want to live an abundant life? Do you want to live a free life? What do you want? And then you got to say, see, what do you how do you want to be when you get that life? This is something my teacher taught me. What do you want, but more importantly, how do you want to be when you get it? Because as I've learned from my own experience, you can have your dream you can be living it and you won't even see that you're living it, you know, because you don't, you don't know how you want to be in that. And for myself, I didn't know how to experience joy. I didn't even know what it meant to feel good. So I had a life that I had created and I didn't even know, you know, I couldn't even, even understand how beautiful it was. I couldn't even feel it because I didn't know how I wanted to be in it. And so when I decided that I was going to be joyful, then I started to feel joy. You know, then you start cultivating what you want. You got to plant the seeds for your garden that you want. And then you tend those seeds and it's, and it's a diligent work. You know, you got to pull those weeds. You start to have those negative thoughts. You start to think you don't have choices. You got to pull that weed. You got to pull it out and you just got to stick with your, with your vision. What do you want? How do you want to be when you get what you want?
So then you'll start to parse through your life, making new choices, building new belief systems that are going to support the life that you want and how you want to be in that life. It's going to take you time, but you're going to learn so much along the way about yourself and your true desires. That's the real thing. You're going to, it's going to be so cool. You're going to wake up and be like, I didn't want any of that stuff that I had, and now I'm living this completely different life. So you're going to wake up to your true desires and in the end you're going to come out stronger and more resilient and you're going to be like a true human being you're going to be truly sovereign and you're going to be able to fully embody the experiences that you have in life and if you you will know you'll be so powerful because you'll know I don't want to have this experience so I'm going to go over here and you're going to manifest some amazing things in your life so may your north star shine bright enough for the whole world to see Thank you for joining me. This is a wonderful session, and I look forward to our next session together.